Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall, and we are joined today by Colorado Mason University Assistant Professor of Teacher Education, Nick Bardo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I know life didn't start for you after, you know, your undergrad, but I want to just jump right into it because I feel like that's the most fascinating um, story is how you kind of ended up traveling the world through uh, the Peace Corps. Can Mm -hmm. you kind of talk about how you got into to that and why you went there. Sure. Um, so I graduated 2003 from undergrad. I um, went to Brown University, uh, graduated with a degree in history and creative writing. And I ended up teaching in New England, actually in New Hampshire, where I'm pretty much from for the most part, for um, for two years. And it was kind of at that point, you know, my father had been in the Peace Corps. Uh, we had grown up hearing stories about his experience in South Korea. He worked with uh, folks with leprosy, um, so it was always a running joke. He's like, "There's a latent, you know, period of leprosy emerging that's 40 years, so you might actually have it." <laughs> but um, that's just a, a you know indicator of my father's humor. But uh, we were fascinated by it. My sister actually also went to the Peace Corps. She's younger than me, um, but I decided that was the time in my life that I would be able to probably travel. I really wanted to. Um, I wanted to see the world, experience different cultures. And I really had no idea what I was in for. And so I kind of said I would be willing to go anywhere. And they, um, they took me at my word and sent me to um, the Republic of Kiribati, which is south of the Marshall Islands, um, about halfway between Hawaii and Australia. So it's a very low, low-lying coral atoll, probably one of the first places that will you know, feel the effects of climate change. It already has in a number of ways. And so that's where I, I started. Um, I continued teaching there at a a junior high school on the island of Nenos, and I was there for about a year or so, and the, um, there was only one plane that kind of connected all of these outer islands, and it was kind of constantly broken, and so we'd end up getting stranded. People on the islands would be stranded. Uh, there'd be no, you know, a lot of times you're waiting on a cargo ship to get food, supplies. Okay, so did you know that you wanted to, to teach, or was it kind of like, hey, I have this knowledge of creative writing and history. Right. And so wherever I fit in or were you like, yeah, I want, I want to teach. Well, in I these think, places. yeah, I think coming out of undergraduate, I, I don't think I had all that much direction. So I, I needed a position. I needed a job. And, um, one way to do that was, was teaching. And so, you know, over time I came to really appreciate the art of teaching, but you know, in those earlier years, which I think speaks to the value of teacher education programs, is that they they provide such structure, um, so much breadth of of experience that really does kind of help folks hit the ground running in terms of when they enter the classroom. Mine was a little bit more, um, you know, ad hoc in in many ways. And so, you know, I I was definitely interested in teaching and and I've enjoyed it quite a bit as a career. But um, at that stage, you know, it was was more of a a, a learning process, I would say, on, on many fronts. So I know you said that you got had the opportunity to travel to quite a few different countries. And I'd be curious out of all of the countries you've traveled to, maybe which was your favorite personally and which was your favorite to teach in? And I'd be curious to know if those are different or if it's the same same country. Right. So um, for my Peace Corps service, I was also in Guatemala for two years and, and then also in China for, for a final year or so. And, um, and so I, I loved my experience in Guatemala. I loved the country. 
it has a pretty tragic history. Um, but the people that I worked with and got to know were, you know, lifelong friends that I um, still, you know, keep in touch with. The students there, I think it was a, a brand new middle school for the most part. They, this whole area had never had any kind of schooling beyond uh, what we would consider like the sixth grade. And so a lot of times um, that was it for, for most students. And so the, the folks that were in this school were kind of the first class to, to get this opportunity. And so they were so excited to be there every day. And, it, and it's just one of those things that helps any classroom is having that excitement and um, and it just feeds off of itself and, and ideally, you know, makes a, uh, a meaningful experience, you know, for, for those students, for myself as well. Um, so, yeah, and in terms of Guatemala, it's just a, it's a beautiful country for folks that aren't familiar with the geography. It's, it's pretty mountainous for the most part with a lot of the, um, a lot of the ranges coming down from, from Mexico there uh, near the Chiapas region. And um, it's just got some, some beautiful locations and just a really rich indigenous history as well that's still thriving, which is, um, I think, unique in, in the Western Hemisphere sometimes. That's incredible, because I think often here in the United States, we take our education for granted. Like for me growing up, you know, you never think like, oh, I'm not going to go to middle school or I'm not going to go to high school or even for myself, not going to college wasn't an option. It was expected of me. And then, you know, you figure out what you're going to do after that. But I think it's just a good reminder that even, you know, in today's day and age, there's other countries where a fifth grade education level is the highest level of attainment. So, And I think that speaks to kind of my own transformative experience working and teaching there is coming back. I, I felt so much more proud of the United States in many ways because we do have so much. We have so many opportunities. And, um, you know, and, and I could recognize that because I had a few comparative lenses to, to look at our country through. And we do have, I think, when you compare it to some of these other education systems, a wonderful, wonderful system with wonderful teachers. Um, of course, there are inequities, you know, across the country, but it's still, in, you know, in the global context, we are very fortunate, I think, for, um, for what we have in place. And was it through your experiences teaching abroad that really, I guess, shaped your future? Because now you're teaching the mm-hmm. teachers right. how to teach. And how did you how did you make your way there? And, and why did you want to do that? So initially, um, that my assignment in in that middle school in the NOS was to to work with with teachers there to to help train them or at least give them some professional development in some of our pedagogical practices here from the United States, they're still very much traditional in their approach to, to education, you know, very much rote memorization, recitation of whatever was being studied. And so it was an opportunity there to start thinking about teacher education a little bit more. And then uh, I worked with the Ministry of Education in Kiribati as well to develop some of their professional development programs. Um, and then from there, you know, in Guatemala, I was really kind of working with the other staff, but it wasn't necessarily in that training mode. Um, and, and so it was more informal in, in that context. And then when I was in China, I was actually working at a, a teacher's college that um, is training future future educators in, in the province of, of Guizhou, which is in southwestern China, um, a very 
mountainous, also once again mountainous coal mining region. Probably the, it's it is the poorest province in in the in the People's Republic of China, and so at, at that that was also a very traditional um, approach to to thinking about education. So working there was it was again kind of eye opening to think about just the cultural differences we have in relation to our educational practices, uh, our reinforcement of collaboration, of creativity, of, you know, problem solving. We come from a very different place, I think, than a lot of, um, and it's a good place, uh, I think, in terms of developing folks that can critically think eventually, ideally. Um, and so that, that was, yeah, what sent me into thinking about teacher education in general. I did return to the United States and taught in Hawaii. Uh, and that's um, that was kind of my slow entrance back into the into the United States. I think because Hawaii, in its own way, is um, very different from the rest of the mainland. And so uh, that was another experience again of kind of seeing this amalgam of of um, of cultures. And um, and so then that eventually led me back to graduate school and and into teacher education. So I love earlier you mentioned the art of teaching. And I really like that phrase because I think often when you think about teachers and especially in higher education, it's kind of that syllabus and it's this construct and it seems very structured, but there is an art to being a really good teacher. Can you maybe explain a little bit more what you meant when you said the art of teaching? Yeah. And I think it, again, goes back to, you know, being able to combine all these different aspects of how you can engage students. And so many students do prefer that traditional mode of of lecture and um, recitation, but it's it's a pretty small percentage usually in terms of what the research states. Um, and then uh, you know other groups like to work collaboratively. They like to um, engage with each other, and then some folks really dislike that. And then perhaps other folks are you know able to um, you know be a little bit more in control of their own education and um, think about you know. What, the, what, what it might mean to them. And so being able to mix up all of those different pieces and hit on all of those different approaches to, to kind of trans, transferring information, I think is part of that art. Um, and, and I would say, you know, in higher education, a lot of times folks don't have that um, training uh, to, to how to teach. They, they come here from maybe a, what they've just experienced as students. And so again, you know, our, our program, I think, does a great job of, of fostering that art, of um, giving folks a lot of experience, a lot of structured feedback in their approach, in their internships and pre-internships. And so ideally, by the end of the program, they're able to appreciate the art, perhaps, a little bit more and, um, and start to just hone their craft. You hit on how teaching in these various locations across the world really gave you an appreciation for um, the United States and the education system here. But I'm wondering, what did you take from these countries that maybe we didn't have or that you learned from their education system that we could do better here? Well, I think in in a lot of those countries, it's very centralized educational systems. And so everybody is kind of learning the same thing at the same time, ideally. And this has been one of these kind of debates that's raged in the United States in terms of thinking about kind of this federal control or federal standards that everybody has to kind of abide by. And the Common Core uh, was that kind of movement. And then also this idea of local control and, um, you know, this locality is giving, um, you know, more of that structure or insight into what 
is being taught. And so I think that's great in terms of the United States. There's this tension that, that really helps, um, you know, maintain that local control, but also have some federal, you know, policy pieces. But there it was very, you know, for folks that move around, you know, there's, there's, they're able to just pick up where they left off. Um, especially in, in a place like like China, where there's massive human migrations taking place, but of, it's a very very centralized system of education there, and um, so I don't know if that's a if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, but I think there is you know that upside to it in terms of standardization. And thinking about China, I I heard this fact on some podcast, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it was something like. China produces as many engineers in a year than we have overall in the U.S. They have more English speakers than we have in the U.S. <laughs> it <laughs> and gives so, you yeah. size. Size is huge. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where you mentioned the creativity here and how you can get a degree in theater arts or you can get a degree in creative writing. And I feel like it's more accepted here, whereas, you know, in other countries it might be like, well, where where's you're not if you're not a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you're nothing. And so how do you teach your students to teach that there's so many options here in the US and that you can go in um, different avenues and it's just really where you are passionate and what you're good at and it's okay to maybe do something a little differently. Well, I think that's where higher education comes in here, which is you know, especially thinking about maybe like a liberal arts approach to, to higher education. And so instead of having very rigid um, kind of funneling processes to the, all these different careers, uh, I think students are given a lot more agency in higher ed in the United States and, and are able to think about, you know, what they're interested in. And a lot of our students come to education after, you know, they've had experiences pursuing other other paths. And, um, and so I think, yeah, ultimately that that um, agency is something that we as a, as a system embrace and kind of give to folks. And, and so that's part of our approach that's, I, I think, wonderful. Um, and, um, and some folks thrive and are able to, to find uh, a career that they really enjoy. Um, but I, I think all of our mission here is to, to give folks a, a, a glimpse of the possibilities and really give them the choice, ideally, to, to pursue with the path that they'd like. So I have quite a few family members and friends that are teachers, my sister, my brother-in-law, I have quite a few aunts, quite a few friends, and they're all, all at varying levels within the education system as far as teachers. And we talk at length about the rewards of their career, but also the challenges. And I think especially given the last two years and COVID and how much that's impacted the classroom and teachers, mm-hmm. but I think almost even COVID aside, what would you think or what do you think is one of the biggest challenges facing teachers? And maybe how do you address that as you're teaching the next generation of teachers? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There's many, many challenges that face our education system in the United States. I think COVID has certainly shown a lot of folks what those challenges look like in a very real and practical sense. So parents that were asked to stay home and work with their children through learning how to read learning how to add, subtract, these things that we, we kind of take for granted or we assume that, you know, everybody might have a kind of a grasp of. It's it's humbling, I think, a lot of times to be put in that position. And so I think that might be um, ideally something that gives folks an insight into some of the challenges that exist, at least pedagogically, in reaching students. 
but aside from that, I think it's um, it's also again it's somewhat cultural that um, you know our 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 history of the profession in the United States is has been somewhat um, perceived from I think a, a different vantage point than perhaps in some other other countries around the world where culturally educators are are held in in high regard in terms of their position in society and so i think of you know confucianism going way back thousands of years to talk about their their social hierarchies and teachers were usually seen as you know at the top of the top of the ladder there and i, I don't think most folks would would say that when they when they think about teaching in the united states and so a lot of our students struggle with that a little bit is the um you know kind of that that I don't know. I guess it would be a um, an idea that that teaching is is perhaps you know is so undervalued in terms of your your salary, in terms of respect. Like, why would you even pursue this? And so I think um, that's why our, our students are the best because they're just wonderful people that that really aren't thinking about those pieces as much as perhaps folks in other other areas. Well, I want to I want to pause you for a second because it is really mind-boggling when you think about it, how teachers are really everything, right? I mean, with yeah. because we're all in this room probably because a teacher or two helped us, guided us, taught us uh, what we need to know to, to, to be here and to accomplish everything we did today and what we've done. And so I think while the salary may not represent the value, I think it's really needed to just hit on the importance of teachers and the, and the role they play in society and people's lives. And I like to tell students too that, you know, ultimately um, when they survey different careers in terms of life satisfaction, teachers usually rank right at the top. Um, they, they take away a lot more from their interactions with their students, with their peers in a way that's really satisfying. I think that can't be monetized perhaps. I can only imagine that because even working here at a university, you know, I don't work directly with students day in and day out because I'm not a faculty member, I'm a staff member. But when we do get to work with students, it does almost like reinvigorate me and my purpose and what I'm doing here. When you talk to some of our first generation students, like Carla is one I think about that she's now graduated and teaching. She's actually graduated from the teacher I education know Carla, program. Yes, she's wonderful. And her story was amazing and get to getting to see the work that she put in while she was here and now she's graduating and excelling. It really does, like I said, reinvigorate me as a staff member even. So I can only imagine if you're in the classroom and working with these students day in and day out, how much that's got to impact you in a positive way. Oh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with the students that we have here and in any teacher education program that I've been in. It, it, it is, it's a wonderful group of folks that are really, um, I think it, it aligns with my worldview in terms of finding a, a meaningful calling and um, being able to, to perhaps, um, you know, affect lives for the positive. When we look at our, our teacher education program here at Colorado Mesa University, we look at uh, field experience as one of the primary sources, I guess, of, of that education. Can you talk about, um, you know, the students that are in the school district here and what they're doing and how vital that is to, to sure. their Yeah, schooling? so um, I think uh, we have over 100 um, student teachers out in the field right now across the district here. We actually have... Um, you know, students placed in a lot of the surrounding districts as well for their for their internships. We've had students placed on the front range for um, for their internships, 
But our, our field experience is, is a component of the program that I think is, is very strong. And I relate this back to having worked at some larger universities where there wasn't the close relationships or partnerships with the area school districts where they could um, actually match up students with mentor teachers based upon their personality, based upon their strengths and weaknesses. You know, I, I work very closely with Dr. Elizabeth Sharp here on campus, and she's someone that really is able to, to hone in and, and get folks in a position where they're going to be successful and going to, to learn quite a bit from the mentors that we have. Uh, so students start in their, in their introductory classes, um, getting some field hours. And um, once they're into the program in the upper division classes, then we place them um, across the district in a variety of different settings. So they get, you know, they get to look at what a Title I school looks like. They get to see what more of a perhaps a, a more affluent school looks like. And, um, and then also to get an idea of the grade level that they want to perhaps um, pursue. Then moving into their pre-internship and internship, they're, they're placed with a mentor teacher for, for a year. And that's uh, something that's different, I think, than a lot of different other programs, is that they're able to see the breadth of a school year right from the beginning. Um, if they're placed halfway through, they kind of have it a little bit different, but um, really getting a sense of everything that goes into a whole school year. And that's, I think, um, you know, it's, it's not completely unique to, to CMU, but it's um, something that is, um, is not the case everywhere. And so I think um, having that partnership with our with our school district, having faculty here that can um, can really get to know students and then find uh, a mentor that they feel will uh, wor- will work well with them is um, it's just a tremendous advantage for for our folks and eventually for future future students in our district and the surrounding areas. Yeah, so I can definitely see that being really beneficial for our students, but I could also see it being beneficial for D51 and other local school districts. I mean, you're often seeing headlines about teacher shortages and especially with COVID and being down substitute teachers. So can you talk maybe a little bit more too about how that also benefits the district? Yeah, and so I think um, recently we, we started a new pilot initiative with the district to try and help um, solve some of the, the sub-teacher shortages. And so now our interns that are out in the field working in schools as full-time teachers are able to, towards the end of their internship, um, receive a, a sub-license that's, that's uh, covered by the district and then also get, get paid to, um, to sub-teach, that was in air quotes, um, <laughs> in, their, um, in their own classroom while their mentor teacher can cover in another classroom. So I think that's an example of where, you know, we've worked together with the school district to to try and solve problems here. There is a shortage for sure. And so um, also our, you know, our, our initial teacher licensure program is a, a pathway here in the area to, to help folks who have received a degree in, a, in another area get into the classroom, get their teaching credentials. And it, it only takes about a year. Well, I, I think, you know, aside from knowing that there's a demand right. for teachers <laughs> and that teachers play um, a really or have a really positive impact on uh, a community and on individual lives. There's also that sense of purpose and um, that level of, um, I guess, if you have a calling, you know, I think a lot of teachers say that's why they're in the classroom. It's a, it's a calling and it's what they do because it um, it's important and they feel passionate about it. And so I just thank you and all those all the teachers out there and all the future teachers for for doing what you guys do. All right. Thank you all. 
This is the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.